Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. to History Soccer presented by BetOnline.ag right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Sports I'm your host Nick Eber great to be with you I'm going to be joined right after the break by my co-host and good friend Kartik Krishnaya we've got a lot of subjects we want to get to today uh, but we are going to talk for some length about the situation at US Soccer we're going to talk about the new pre- the new CEO we're going to talk about uh, Cindy Paolo Cohn, the president, and what they're doing. We're going to have a little discussion about the way uh, the, st- the odds are stacked against the little guy with the U.S. soccer. Are you surprised? This is a big topic. We talk about it a lot here on the show. And even though we're all locked down for the coronavirus lock-in and we're social distancing and we're not going out, uh, these topics are still out there and they are still percolating and no better time to talk about them and ruminate over them than when we have no games, so to speak. Although the Bundesliga apparently getting ready uh, to start up behind closed doors sometime in May. Uh, We're going to talk about that as well. But those will be the topics today. U.S. Soccer Federation. Let's talk about that. Let's also talk about the impact of the the shutdown on Major League Soccer. What does it mean for our top flight domestic league? And what are the ramifications for new franchises like uh, David Beckham's into Miami? Uh, Could this be a fatal blow? And how will the league handle it? Will they use this as an opportunity to open up for more expansion teams because they'll need the money? Or are the valuations of MLS teams going to take a real hit as a result of this shutdown? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. As I said, I'll be joined by Kartik Krishnaya. Love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can also uh, find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Sports Talk. And by the way, uh, I know if you've been listening to this show, you know who Kartik is, and you can find him on Twitter at KKFLA737. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the sport on the excuse me on the American Forces Radio Network. Of course, we are on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM211. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether that's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app, we welcome you to the show. And a final reminder: once the show is over, you can find the podcast almost immediately. Just search. For Fifth Street Soccer, presented by BetOnline.ag, go to our podcast network, Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V, Believe. Be right back to kick it all off after this. Well, maybe that song is apropos our current situation where most people are uh, locked down at home, keeping social distancing. That song, no fun from Iggy and the Stooges. And there will be a time uh, not too far away where we will have lots of fun again. Uh, But we hope to entertain you here at Fifth Street Soccer, presented by BetOnline.ag. Nick Eber and Kartik Krishnai with you. Kartik, so every sports league in the world we know has shut down. Well, not everyone. I guess the Belarusian Premier League is playing or whatever it is. And there's uh, some uh, Russian table tennis and a few things that are uh, tickling the fancy of the few sports bettors that are still looking at their apps for something to bet on. But Major League Soccer shut down. And what was it? What's interesting about the MLS shutdown is, you know, if you look where we were, 
the NCAA was at the end of its season of basketball, getting ready for March Madness. The NBA was two-thirds of the way through the season, sort of in the run-in to the playoffs. The NHL as well. Major League Baseball had yet to start spring training uh, before they shut that down. And, of course, the NFL isn't playing. The only league that was actually just getting into swing was Major League so- Soccer. And then, boom, they are shut down. Kartik, what do you think the impact of that is going to be in the long term for our domestic league? Yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult for MLS to recoup a lot of that revenue loss. They're more dependent on gate and game day revenue than most uh, most states. Uh, excuse me, most uh, most leagues. Now, USL, interestingly enough, like League One and League Two in England, more so even than MLS. But in terms of first divisions in the world, MLS is more dependent on game day than most of the top first divisions around the world. So this will hurt them. Will this kill them? I don't know. I do think that there's going to be a certain element of fandom that never returns to stadiums. So TV is going to become more important, and that favors the leagues whose uh, model of revenue is based more around television and media. And that, those are the leagues in Europe. Those are the top uh, five leagues in Europe, although now uh, you have, in the case of Liga, uh, some television uh, broadcasters, some media partners who have said they will not pay uh, the current rights fee unless Liga uh, finishes the season. So that's complicates things. But I think this is going to have a, a major impact on MLS and maybe further transition them towards doing what they need to do to get their television ratings up. Yeah, that is a really interesting point because as, as we've mentioned before on this show, prior to this disaster hitting, um, you know, MLS was one of these leagues that really is locally interesting. If, you, if you're in Seattle and you're a follower of that team, if you're in L.A. and you're a follower of one of the two L.A. teams or Kansas City or wherever you may be, um, but there's very little reason because there's no promotion and relegation in the league for people outside those immediate markets to really follow what's going on in MLS. Um, uh, on the other hand, and that's one of the reasons that I think the TV ratings are so localized and small, uh, on the other hand, uh, what can they do, Kartik, to really enhance the television ratings? Because the, the, the thundering herd of, of viewers are going to go back to the traditional American sports. And now what are they going to do? Restart in a sports landscape when uh, they're running on top of all these other leagues that are going? I mean, MLS's sweet spot was the time that they started in, you know, early spring, late spring, all the way t- through to the time that the NFL starts, because once MFL starts, their ratings dropped off. If this league is going to start up again but push it forward, they're going to run smack into NFL again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not just NFL, but the conclusion of all the European seasons, the uh, the major tournaments in golf that are going to be put off uh, until uh, the Masters is going to take place in November, uh, apparently. And, and you've got uh, the PGA Championship that's going to re- – turn to August, right? It moved to May for one right, year, as right. it turns out. And and the U.S. Open is going to be in September. And, and we're thinking there's going to be a, an end to the NHL season. The, there'll be an end to the Major League Baseball season. And there will be uh, lots of just competition in, in the space. And again, Nick, I am not sure. Uh, this is a societal and cultural issue. This is not something that MLS can predict or deal with. I think there are going to be people who just don't want to go to sporting events yeah, or concerts. That is, or, yeah, or, right. No, and I think that bodes badly for Las Vegas, by the way, which is where I live. Yeah, but that's another discussion. Yeah, I right. And I was going to say right. it bodes very badly for my state of Florida. I mean, I yeah, and part of the reason I'm I'm on top of thinking about this is because there are all sorts of um, 
concerns that Orlando in particular and the amusement parks will never return to the way it was before. And I guess Vegas would be the other place like that that would be very badly affected. Yeah, absolutely. And it could, of course, be the death knell of the casinos on Atlantic City. But this is another discussion. Um, let's turn our attention in just the, the, the four, four or five minutes we have left. Let's talk about David Beckham's new franchise, because if there's any... I'm wondering, is this is this a... Is this a godsend for them, or is this a disaster for them? Because it seems like they really just needed a bit more time, maybe. Yeah, so they were about to um, to kick off their season two or three days after um, the season was was called, right? Uh, and and right. Fort Lauderdale's Lockhart Stadium, or the new Lockhart that, that they built on the on the old uh, stadium that you and I had so much sentiment for, um, was uh, was ready to go, but. I also know from inside sources that Jorge Moss, their owner, uh, Beckham's partner, was one of the people pushing for um, a delay because he was concerned that they, with the, all of this this germophobia beginning to, it started actually two weeks before we finally shut things down. Everyone was running and getting hand sanitizer. And, uh, I was being very apprehensive about where I went. And in fact, I was going to a conference uh, that uh, John Skipper was scheduled to attend and a yeah. number of other top executives, no one showed up. So this had already started. So Moss basically said, look, we don't want to have this game because we're, we're, we sold out. Okay. So we report the sellout anyway, the thing had sold out well in advance, but it won't be the same kind of spectacle. It won't be the same kind of event. So they actually lobbied MLS for it now. So, so in theory it would help them, but now I go back to what I just said a minute ago, maybe people don't want to go to that sort of event for a while. Uh, after things open back up, maybe they're going to be hesitant about literally rubbing elbows with people uh, at, uh, at 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 a kickoff at a opening game, inaugural game for for, for an MLS team. So, uh, yeah, it could be very damaging for Beckham and, and his uh, product to the point where he never got a good year of attendance in, even though they've sold out, right? They've sold right, out yeah, most of their games yeah. already. So the revenue will be the same, but you don't get the parking revenue and the concession revenue. People don't show up. That's a big part of their business model. Why they built a new Lockhart so they could control all that and not have to rent a stadium um, and give away that revenue. They may never have one of those good years because people's habits might change. And even if they revert to normal, it'll be year two or year three for this team. So they would have lost out on the big bucks of the first year. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting take on it, Kartik. I mean, the other one, of course, is uh, LAFC, but I mean, they seem to be pretty well integrated. Uh, I just, you know, as Nashville as is at, a concern. Yeah. I mean, Nashville had their opening game and they they sold out the football stadium. Although part of that had to do with the fact they were playing Atlanta and Atlanta brought like ten thousand fans, like they normally but, would, right? Yeah. Um, so we don't know how they're going to do the rest of the year either. I just uh, wonder play how, Atlanta, well, we just got a couple of minutes left, but Kartik, I just wonder what this means, this delayed, broken season uh, to a league that is, let's face it, struggling with profitability to, be, to begin with, what this would mean with future expansion. Is it going to push them to expand more to try to get that extra money in, or is it going to slow expansion down? You know, I know MLS, all they like is money. My thoughts are this, they're going to open up expansion again very quickly so they can get some more money through the door. Yeah, but I don't know that anyone's going to want to put that kind of money down on a team right now with the uncertainty, unless it's a real estate play. And um, so much of MLS is based around real estate dealings and land and, and uh, people who, who can flip properties. Uh, that's where Jorge Moss comes in, who I just mentioned with, with Beckham. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, they, they're going to try. 
so they get more revenue in the door, but they might have some problems. And I think they might they might not be able to see the value of these yeah. Uh, it's 300 million now or whatever they're no, charging I don't now. Think it is anymore. 300, which is exponentially more than it was. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to yeah. be 300 million. More. I, I right, think they're going to trouble with it. Always a pleasure. Uh, let's pick up this uh, discussion another day. We're talking about the impact the shutdown will have on Major League Soccer. It's a topic where there is no solution. There is no right answer. It's purely prognostication. But, of course, that's what we do so well here on Fist Street Soccer, presented by BetOnline.ag. Nick and Kartik with you. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Fist Street Soccer presented by betonline.ag. And look, while you're waiting out this pandemic at home, while you're waiting it out with us, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. Look, there's no NBA, there's no NHL, there's no Major League Baseball. You might think there's nothing at all to bet on, but don't worry, BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, including their entire casino, which has poker and blackjack, and that casino is definitely open. I'm here in Las Vegas. They're all closed, but BetOnline.ag is open. But don't worry about sports. They're not completely done. There's eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections going on, and of course, it's uh, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. The spelling bee, the poker series for $750,000 is ongoing. They're still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, betonline.ag. Use promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Welcome back to the show. Nick Eber here, along with Kartik Krishnaya. Uh, Kartik, even though we are all, uh, shall we say, sequestered? to use a yeah. uh, um, probably inappropriate term, but a term nevertheless. Uh, there is a lot going on in the world of sports. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were surprised, I think, by the resignation of Carlos Cordero at U.S. Soccer, who resigned in the wake of, uh, maybe it wasn't even a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was longer than that now, who resigned in the wake of some very tone-deaf comments made by, made by U.S. Soccer's attorneys in their equal pay lawsuit against the U.S. women's national team. But since then, uh, Kartik, the sort of hope that sprung up over Cordero's resignation, which was the fact that maybe we would get a new leadership at uh, Soccer House that was transparent, that was devoted and dedicated to the growth of the game across the whole, uh, and I don't want to use the word pyramid, but uh, across the whole spectrum of football in this country, there seems to be nothing but a pipe dream, uh, Kartik. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the case now. I think we're in a position where um, there doesn't seem to be any real kind of coalescing or any reform going on. U.S. soccer continues to be an organization that um, is it puts the interests of the few and the interest of, uh, uh, of, of Major League Soccer above that of, of everybody else. Well, what I don't understand... Um is okay so when Codero left there was an interim CEO or president appointed right and it was um uh the the former women's team player I'm sorry I'm having an absolute uh, brain freeze right now um well her name is uh Cindy Parlow thank you Cindy Parlow um 
who is the uh, interim president of U.S. soccer. And, and I thought when they appointed Cindy Paolo, we might actually get somebody that, you know, was interested in more than just the men's team some and Major League Soccer. And, and I'm not suggesting that she isn't interested in more, more than that because I, I don't know really what she's done so far in her role as President Kartik. Uh, but I do know uh, that they then went and hired a new CEO who was a former Soccer United marketing and Major League Soccer executive. I mean, talk about letting the foxes live in the hen house. Yeah, that, that's Will Wilson. And look, um, I think there's a lot of insider baseball in U.S. soccer that maybe people aren't aware of. There is a, a certain degree of suspicion, Nick, and I'm going to throw this out here, and I know it's been thrown out there in some places, but it hasn't gotten a lot of play, whether it's because of coronavirus or just because the mainstream soccer press doesn't want to touch it, uh, which is generally the case with a lot of this stuff. There is a real school of thought developing that Carlos Cordero was forced out because he actually had some instinct for reform. He had, as we know, when he ran for president, criticized the Soccer United Marketing Agreement. He hadn't done anything about it in his two years as president, but he apparently, as recently as the AGM in Nashville, which took place a month before he resigned, was whispering to people, look, uh, maybe we'll keep Soccer United Marketing on as, as our media partner or as our agency, uh, but we want to split the contract, right? Because part of the issue now is that there's this bundling of the MLS deal with the U.S. men's and women's national team deal. Therefore, giving, um, I, I would guess, some extra, uh, the way we view it, the way people like I have viewed it for years is that Major League Soccer is being essentially subsidized on the backs of the men's and women's national teams. Cordero, from what I understand from multiple sources, and there have been whispers in public about this now, was actually talking about actively changing that arrangement, maybe keeping some in the camp, but not giving not giving everything over to them, right? Or, or make, changing the arrangement. That obviously, Nick, as you can imagine, would not, would not have been acceptable to Don Garber. So... Uh, taking the opportunity of the of the faux pas uh, based on the way the women's national team lawsuit was being was going and the way um, the law firm that had been retained had handled it and the law firm that had been retained had been I, I, I find it very hard to believe that Cordero was some sort of rogue that went off and knew about this and no one else on the board um, none of the people involved with some none of the people involved with Sunil Gulati. Uh, in the past knew about this. This is just a one-man rogue operation, and everybody else is uh, outraged by it. I find that very, very hard to believe. But um, uh, uh, even deeper than that, Nick, it looks like there may have been some uh, trepidation that Cordero might have been angling toward reforming uh, things after 2022 when the current deal with Soccer United Marketing expires. And uh, obviously the way to prevent that from happening would be to get rid of him and make sure you uh, have the CEO position, the guy who co co uh, handles the day-to-day -day responsibilities, uh, be one of your own. And uh, they've uh, pulled that off. If you want to call it a coup, well, then it's a coup. I, I don't know how to characterize it. Again, I think Cordero had probably screwed up with the women's national team lawsuit, but I do not think he was alone. And I'm beginning to come to, to around to this school of thought, Nick, that this may have been very agenda-driven to put yeah. it all on him because he had more reform instincts than the people around him. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I, I was giving this some thought. And if you listen to Cordero's statements in the wake of those comments, and by the way, if you don't know what those comments were, uh, they were... Uh, comments along the lines of uh, women aren't as strong as men they're not as good as football as men 
uh, they're not as skilled as men. If the men play the women, the men win. And and and, and you know, and I know, Kartik, that certainly sk- skill argument aside, I mean, sexual dimorphism yeah. is such that, yeah, women are not as strong as men. Absolutely. We've established that the women's national team would likely lose to the under-16 or the under-18 uh, men's youth team. We've established that. But that doesn't mean that they're not without skill or that their game does not have merit. And in point of fact, we know how ridiculous that statement is because their game is the game that has been the prime revenue driver for U.S. soccer throughout all these years because the men's team have been so lackluster and horrible. So the, it was almost as if they were setting Cordero up for a fall. And if you read his statements in the wake of this, Gartic, he says things like, you know, I didn't even see that argument. He, yeah. he, he accepted responsibility for not seeing that argument and stopping it. He came out immediately and disagreed with it. I think, Kartik, he took the fall and he may well have been set up based on what you're saying, which is that his reformism agenda was running counter to what the spinmeister and the money folks at MLS want. Yeah, so there are definitively sources I trust that tell me that he was toying with this idea of uh, of splitting the sum deal, even if they kept some as the agency of record for marketing deals, you know, for sponsorship deals and for media rights, soccer and MLS. What uh, Cordero apparently was was openly musing about was, okay, we'll, we can keep some, but we're going to split the package. Because right now, I think most of us suspect the MLS portion of the package is undervalued and the U.S. soccer portion of it is overvalued. So therefore, when, the way that they split the money, where more of the money goes to MLS because some keeps it, then uh, stays in the USSF coffers, it's, it's an unfair, unequal arrangement that favors Major League Soccer. So um, that much, I'm whoa, pretty whoa, wait, confident wait, wait, was true. So, so what you mean is that the MLS side of it is overvalued, not undervalued. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I used the term wrong. That right. it's overvalued and that the U.S. soccer portion is actually worth more. Sorry, of course that's it what is. I meant to say. Well, I mean, who, who in yeah. their right mind doesn't think the U.S. soccer portion with the, with the world, Women's World Cup winning team, with, which, is a much, which gets by far more viewers on uh, television MLS. than MLS ever dream of getting, I mean, who in their right mind would think that that's worth less than Major League Soccer, which has appalling television ratings? Yeah. So this is the point that apparently not uh, I have sources who tell me that I trust that he was openly thinking of doing this. Now, the question is whether then knowing this Garber and company set him up and made him take the fall for this or it just fell in their laps accordingly. That we don't know. We can speculate, which is what we're doing here. Uh, It does seem rather coincidental uh, that this all happened. soon after he was beginning to make these noises, uh, like I said, at the AGM in Nashville, which was the first week of February, by the first week of March or second week of March, Cordero is out. And then by the third week of March, uh, Will Wilson, a former sum executive, someone working at the Wasserman agency, something we can get into in the next segment, is now running U.S. soccer. Wow. And uh, let me also mention real quickly, um, he works, he is a board member of the same club which uh, Cindy Parlow works for, which is North Carolina FC, and whose president and owner is sitting on the USSF board, having replaced Alec Papadakis, another thing we'll get into in the next segment, Uh, having replaced Alec Papadakis without anyone even knowing. So now that club, run by Steve Malik, 
has three board seats, essentially. I mean, this is crazy stuff. Yeah, it really is. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Fifth Street Soccer, presented by betonline.ag. Nick Eber, along with Kartik Krishnaya. A big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Uh, we love having you with us. And, of course, if you're listening on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network or to our live broadcast on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, uh, we hope you are enjoying the show. We'll be right back to continue the discussion after this break. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, locked into the house, no sports on the telly, no sports in the stadium. Uh, it's a sad, sad situation indeed that we find ourselves in. But one of the things that I like to do when I'm hanging around my house is just to uh, be comfortable, you know. And I am super excited about a new sponsor we have for our show. Uh, we know style is changing, particularly uh, given the current pandemic rules. Most people's style is a pair of soiled underwear and a, a, some sort of sweatshirt uh, because they're not exiting their front door. But if you do that... That's a style, I guess, but for me, I like to hang out around the house, and I do it in a T-shirt. So I want to talk to you about my new sponsor here, our new sponsor on the show. We're really excited about it, True Classic Tees. Look, these T-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash. They're incredibly versatile. You could wear them out. You can wear them in. You can wear them while you're practicing social distancing. And if you're once a week, going out time is when you take out the trash that you can wear your brand-new True Classic Tee when you put yourself on display to all your neighbors. The best part is these things are incredibly cheap. They're only 15 bucks. You can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com. Use the code, that's right, the code BLEAV. Use that at checkout for 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Use code BLEAV at trueclassictees.com. All right, welcome back. Nick Eber and Kartik Krishna are with you. I, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can find my co-host Kartik at KKFLA737. We're going to continue the discussion about the U.S. Soccer Federation and some of the corruption that is rampant. And, and, and Kartik, one of the things that strikes me about it is it's just so brazen. They just don't care. In keeping with Major League Soccer tradition since its inception, and look, we're not going to talk about the good things that Major League Soccer has done because there are plenty. I don't want you to think that Kartik and I are sitting here just slagging on the American top flight football. Uh, it, it, you know, If it wasn't for the investment these guys made, we wouldn't have top flight football. Although I question that. We probably would actually, and it might look a lot different, but it wouldn't be as developed as it is so far. But I will tell you, Kartik, it's the brazenness. It's the, you're going to take this because we give it to you. This is all you get. It's the we-don't-care-what-you-think attitude about this that really strikes at the heart of me. Yeah, the brazenness is what gets me. They are they are brazen characters, and they feel like they can finesse or manipulate any situation, and you have to take it. And if you don't take it, you're uh, some sort of subversive. You're, you know, it's, it's very kind of and, – and there was a, a journalist who, who covered the sport for many years who told me privately – uh, many years ago that they're Nixonian in their approach and they very much are go watch Ron Ziegler 
Uh, his press conferences during the Nixon years are actually, you know, Trump is very Nixonian, so maybe we have a more contemporary example. But uh, it's the same sort of style. And anyone who is even slightly critical of them is the enemy. And they look to stamp those people out. Now, Cordero, this is another thing about Cordero. He had made an effort in the last six months or so to open up to the media and to the public U.S. soccer meetings in a way that Sunil Gulati had always resisted and had shown contempt for the general stakeholders in U.S. soccer. So think about this. Six months later, four months later, really, it was really October, November when this happened. So uh, March, he's out. They brought another their own CEO, company man, back in from the agency that controls so much of what goes on in MLS, so much of what goes on in U.S. soccer, and, what, and so much of what goes on in the soccer media. And they have uh, replaced Alec Papadakis of USL ostensibly a potential uh, opponent of MLS and some on the board with Steve Malik, Papadakis, my understanding, his major sin was that he um, was potentially going to tempt NWSL and the women's game away from U.S. soccer and into the USL orbit. Now, there's a whole nother concern about that. USL themselves, there's a lot to be concerned about uh, their empire building. But but don't worry about that right now. Just think about the fact that within that little circle, Papadakis is very isolated. That's really interesting. That U.S. soccer because, circle. He because, gets booted fo- yeah. off the board. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just fascinating to hear that because, as you know, I have firsthand, um, a lot of firsthand experience with USL as I was involved uh, with a group trying to bring a USL or NASL team here to Las Vegas. This was prior to the Las Vegas Lights. This was in between the MLS bid uh, that uh, that the Findlay family here in Las Vegas put through, if you can remember that, about three or four years ago, and the uh, and the birth of the Las Vegas Lights. Um, but one of the things that I remember clearly, I mean, Steve Malik left NASL at a time when NASL was... Um, not dead and was trying to compete with U.S. soccer, with, pardon me, with MLS, and was one of the first guys to cross over to USL. So I always assumed that Steve Malik was Papa Duckus's guy on the board. No, 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 he is. He is. Okay, so let me finish up here. Papa Duckus, knowing he was going to get, uh, that they wanted him off the board, found the most acceptable replacement. It could have gone in a radically different direction with an MLS owner. So this is a guy that will still represent his interests. But at the same time, Malik is doing some empire building himself because he's got Cohn, uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn and now Will Wilson uh, as key factors in U.S. soccer. So um, and the issue with Papadakis, my understanding, is has nothing to do with the men's game. They're an alliance in the men's game. There is now an alliance breaking in the women's game or it's broken where Papadakis has openly talked about you know what maybe we will run nwsl maybe we should be operating the league instead of u.s soccer maybe if we're not operating the league we'll start our own women's league to compete with usl maybe uh, sorry a usl league to compete with nwsl and here's the kicker i have um a very smart uh, uh 
person involved in the sport who tells me part of the motivation for this would be for Papa Doc is to be able to go to um, FC Barcelona, to go to PSG, to go to Eintracht, uh, to Wolfsburg, the, the, the Manchester City, Chelsea, the clubs with big women's teams and say, here, you can put a club in the United States in my league. So you could have the um, PSG uh, Women USA in the USL Women's League. And it would be a winner. So um, you can either play ball with him if you're NWSL and try and head that off and have those teams come to your league. Like the NWSL has gotten Leon. Olympic Leone is, is putting is putting a team in USL as we are in NWSL this season, as we know. Uh, they bought uh, the rain. Uh, or you can be forced to compete with that. So Papa Doc, the women's game is again the fissure. And even though some doesn't, some, some is still trying to control the women's game, even though they won't give it equal footing. So that's what's so interesting, because I think Papadakis is saying privately, hey, USL, we will give the women equal billing, which they will. Yeah, so no, I think that sure. has a lot to do with it. I and mean, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, and it is fascinating. And, you know, I, I may have had my issues with Alex Papadakis over the years, but, but I'm going to say this. I actually think at the end of the day, USL's done a pretty decent job here. And, uh, you know, yeah. we, we, we can talk about one family's control over so much of the minor league pyramid and, and, and all of this stuff. Certainly, that is something that needs to be discussed. But in, in many respects, I, I kind of like where he's going with that. And I like the fact, I think a women's league would be infinitely more successful under the umbrella of USL uh, than they are under the umbrella of U.S. soccer. U.S. Soccer Federation's uh, job is not really to run leagues, is it? I mean, its job is to no. oversee them. It, it's to be the uh, it, it's it's to be the uh, regulation setter, the overseer. It's not to be the <clears throat> the operational factor in these leagues. <clears throat> if you look at the women's game in Europe, what has made it so successful, Kartik? Uh, or shall we say, what has really started it on the road to success, because it's clearly nowhere near successful uh, as, as a whole as it is here in the United States. We're not talking about professional soccer, we're talking about the women's game in general. Uh, but what's made it so successful is the, uh, the fact that the Premier League clubs and the top flight clubs around Europe have embraced it as a way of filling more stadium dates, of appealing to that not just, you know, the one side of the family that's been an Arsenal supporter all these years, but the other side as well, the daughters and the wives uh, and, and the family crossover. And some of them have done it very, very effectively. And, and you know, and some of their support on the Premier League side and below for their women's teams have been huge. I know there are some Major League Soccer teams that have taken this same approach. I believe Seattle is one of them, right? Yeah, you're right. So, um, as I said, Seattle uh, Rain or Tacoma Rain have now been uh, bought by oh, right. uh, bought by Imp Olympic Lyonnais, and they will be called when the, whenever the NWSL season resumes or starts uh, with this uh, pandemic. The OL Rain. My understanding is that this is of some interest to Papadakis and USL, saying, "Okay, you know, we would we would love to have Leon in our league. We would we would love to work with Leon. Well, actually, we can bring more of this to NWSL. We can bring PSG right. over. We can bring let, Wolfsburg over. Let, we can bring Chelsea over." It's, it's funny if, you say that, though, Kartik, because I can tell you on the men's side, they were very much against having these offshore affiliations. It was interesting. It was, it was a big part of what they didn't want. And I know this for a fact because I'd gone to them with a very big foreign club backing, putting up a team here in the U.S. 
and there was mm. a great deal of skepticism about foreign involvement in the game at the USL level. So clearly, and, and again, I'm not going to slag the Pop Alex Papadakis for this because what's good for the men's league at USL may not be good for the women's league if there's going to be one at USL. It may make good sense on the women's side to do that. I, I don't know. I've been out of this for a fair amount of time. But that is an interesting statement that you made. Interesting. It's interesting to know that because, uh, I, again, I think they always have a shifting strategy USL to begin sure. with. They're not yeah. kind of hardened in their ideology. Now they're talking pro-rel when they were very much against it when the NASL was uh, around. So they, 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 they're they nimble on their feet, it seems like. It, 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 it does seem like that, uh, that. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. So what's the end game here, Kartik? Look, I've started a campaign, a hashtag campaign called Condemn Soccer House. Hashtag Condemn soccer house the reason i've said that is i don't think there's anything that we can do with soccer house short of dismantling it shuttering it condemning it because i think what we need kartik is a new national federation that is truly transparent and cares about all aspects of the game here yeah i i agree i mean i think uh, you need to have, unfortunately, you have to be affiliated with FIFA. So um, U.S. soccer has that advantage, but you have uh, to, to, to either reform this or have a completely different setup to the way uh, this thing is run. And that is the, um, that, that is the absolute problem uh, with the way U.S. soccer is operating right now. They do not take into account most of their stakeholders and it's run essentially like a cartel. And so either reform soccer house, blow up soccer house, have a new federation, if somehow FIFA uh, would accept that. But unfortunately, and this is a whole broader issue, we can get into another another show, Nick, there is an alliance between Infantino and U.S. soccer based on commercial properties that makes it very difficult to pull it off. All right, well, Kartik, always great to talk to you about this issue. It is a developing issue. There are so many tentacles that come out of this. We, we, you have to follow them. We started with, uh, with um, uh, the uh, new CEO. We've ended up at USL. This is the way this discussion goes. Uh, always a pleasure, Kartik. And by the way, we talk about this regularly on this show on Fifth Street Soccer, presented by betonline.ag. Nick Eber and Kartik Krishnai with you. Find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. You can find him at KKFLA737. We gotta go, but we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Street Soccer presented by BetOnline.ag. Hope you enjoyed the show. You know, lots of topics to get to. And, and even though the games are not being played, at least not yet in Germany, Belarus is playing, by the way, if you like to follow the Belarusian Premier League. Uh, I have no clue who those teams are, but they are playing. Germany getting ready to start up again, possibly. Champions League, Europa League are done for sure. Spain, Italy, who knows? The Premier League. Who knows? So many issues to talk about. And we will be continuing the discussion here throughout the week. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on these very networks. Pandemic or no pandemic, be damned. We talk soccer all the time because it is the one great thing that keeps us together. Of course, the uh, big topics, as I mentioned, that we will be continuing to talk about throughout this pandemic and onwards are the situation at U.S. soccer and with Major League 
uh, soccer. I'm on Twitter at McGeber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Kartik is at KKFLA737. By the way, Kartik is not only a prolific writer about soccer, he also writes about politics and history. Always good to give him a follow. A really smart guy, a great sense of humor, great outlook on things, and um, always fun. By the way, uh, this weekend I will be appearing on a number of Facebook discussions talking about the good old days of World Soccer Daily and World Soccer Radio and uh, World Soccer Weekly and Fox Football Friday. Um, I will put out some links to that on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk if you would like to hear me ruminate about days gone by and the growth of the game uh, in this country. Uh, it should be a very fun discussion. I'm pretty sure at some point uh, we will talk about that uh, here on this show. Just a reminder, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, American Forces Radio, iHeart, tune in, award-winning Sirius XM app. And don't forget, go to the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V, and you can download this show and do it automatically. You can listen to me while you're working out. Till tomorrow. Stay safe and enjoy, well, enjoy your time alone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.